Well, good morning. My name is Dave, and I'm the campus pastor here at our World Golf Village campus. And so the, the guy on the right there was Travis Stevens. He's our global outreach director. And we give, we invest 13% of all that's given. So earlier in the service, we had the offering. 13% of all that's given to Good News is invested in planting churches around the world. And our next milestone in church planting will be when we hit 200 church plants around the world. So we're moving towards 200 churches around the world, and we partner with men like David, who you saw on the left, to plant churches that are gospel-preaching, national-led, and um, self-supporting, and uh, reproducing, that they multiply and plant other churches. So that's our strategy for taking the gospel to the ends of the earth, to all the nations. You say, well, what's your strategy for reaching people here? Well, look around. You are, because this week we celebrate three people who came to faith in Christ through the witness of members of Good News Church. So let me share one of those stories. A friend of mine loves Ultimate Frisbee. So on Saturday, he gathers with a group of people to play Ultimate Frisbee, and he invited a student from his school, University of St. Augustine, to come and play ultimate with his group. He came, he began asking him questions about his relationship with a local church, if he knew Jesus, and he shared the gospel with him, and that young man put his trust in Christ and received the free gift of eternal life. Now, my friend has the opportunity to come alongside him and walk with him and establish him in his faith so that what he did for this young man that young man can do for someone else. Now, if you're here this morning and you see and celebrate the joy of the life rings and you go, I'd like to have that experience. I'd love to be a part of introducing someone else to Jesus Christ. You can. Listen, grab your card and mark on your card that you would like to be equipped. Jesus Christ said this, Follow me, and I will make you become a fisher of men. So just put on your card your name and your cell phone, and I'll reach out to you this week, and we'll figure out a time to get together and begin working on how to equip you to be a witness for Jesus Christ, where you live, work, and play. And so that someday soon, one of the life rings that we put on the stand behind me will be because of your faithful witness to Jesus here in this community. Now, I want to clarify something because I'm always amazed at my ability to hear things wrong. And so I just want to clarify real quick. The reason we made a big deal about uh, Dylan is not because he's leaving good news, because he's finished well a ministry he started many, many years ago of walking with a group of students until they graduated. And now his students have graduated, and he's finished that work of leading a, a dude small group all the way through high school. And so that's why we were recognizing him, not because there's any change there. And people just hear things. And I've learned that as a pastor over the years, that I hear things and other people hear things. So I just want to clarify that. But I do say, thank you, Dylan. You're awesome. Hey, uh, grab your Bible, turn to Colossians chapter 3, and the passage that we're going to give our attention to this morning is Colossians 3, verse 
14, Colossians 3, verse 14. This is God's word. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Above all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. The word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that in great expense to yourself, Father, you gave your only son. And Jesus, you were willing for us to put on love, to clothe yourself in our humanity and to humble yourself in, a, in obedience even to the point of death, death on a cross. And having suffered in our place, you rose from the dead and, and you have sent from the Father the Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, thank you that you dwell in each of us to make the love of God real. I pray, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that you would fall afresh on us this morning with an experience of your love so that having experienced your love, we could put on love toward one another and towards those in this community who so desperately need to know love. This I pray in Jesus' name, amen. One of the most famous uh, Peanuts cartoons that Howard Schultz put out was this one where Linus comes to Lucy and says he wants to be a doctor, to which Lucy says, you, a doctor? Ha, that's a big laugh. You could never be a doctor. You know why? Because you don't love mankind. That's why. To which Linus says, I love mankind. It's just the people I can't stand. Now today, many, many, many of us would say, I love the church. It's just the people I can't stand. I love my business. It's just the people I can't stand. You know, we have a, we have a problem in the world today, and the problem is this, it's a disconnect between what we believe and, and how we actually feel. And a survey was conducted several years ago um, by Gabe Lyons and Dave Kinneman, and they produced a book from that research called Unchristian, What a New Generation Really Thinks About Christianity. They asked, one of the questions they asked was this, Christian churches accept and love people unconditionally regardless of how people look or what they do. And in the results, pastors, people like me, 76% of pastors strongly agreed with that statement that the church is basically loving. That's pretty good, right? I'm glad that pastors think that the church is loving. But there was a problem. There's a huge gap between what people like me and what people like you think. Amongst born-again Christians, the percentage of those who strongly agree drops all the way down to 47%. And amongst Christian churchgoers, it drops to 41%. And then, amongst outsiders... 
it drops all the way to 20%. So we have a huge problem. And the problem is this, there's a disconnect between what we believe about ourselves, which is that we're loving and generous in our grace towards the outsider, and the reality of what the outsider actually experiences. And so for me this morning to ask you to ask the question, how can I show love to the community around me, feels like a bridge too far. Like it just doesn't connect. And I get that. Because as, as I have thought about you, and I've thought about myself, long before we ever begin to ask ourselves the question, how can I show love to the community around me, there's two other questions that we really need to have answered. And those questions are this. Many of you are sitting here this morning, and the real question burdening your heart when it comes to the love of God is this. Am I really loved? Am I really loved by God? And the reason that you're asking that question is because you've woken up this morning with chronic pain. You've woken up this morning fearful of an impending diagnosis. You've woken up this morning to a difficult marriage. You've woken up this morning to, to a strong-willed child or a rebellious teenager. And so your heart is naturally, on the basis of all those circumstances that you're facing, you're asking yourself the question, God, am I really loved? And you're feeling a disconnect long before I ever get to the point of asking you to go and build a bridge of friendship to the lost people around you and, and show the love of Jesus, you're asking yourself the question, Dave, on the basis of the circumstances I'm facing, am I really loved? And the answer that we'll, you'll receive this morning is yes. Yes. Now, there's another question, not just am I loved, but some of you are here this morning and you're asking this question, am I even lovable? Because you are looking at social media and you're looking at the filtered, manicured lives of people and thousands of likes and mentions and follows, and you're asking yourself the question, am I even lovable? Never mind, am I loved? Am I even lovable? Because you get to a point, you get to a point in life where you start comparing yourself with others, middle school, high school. You get to your 20s. You get to your 20s and you start thinking, am I really lovable? Am I ever going to find Mr. or Mrs. Wright? Am I lovable? And maybe you arrive in your 20s, you do meet Mr. Wonderful, or you do meet Mrs. Wonderful, and you marry them, and then you get to your 40s, and you realize that it hasn't worked out, and you've lost that first marriage, and it devastates you, and you start saying, am I really enough? Am I really lovable? Or you get to the end of your life, and you've amassed all these experiences, You've amassed all this wisdom. You've amassed all this knowledge. 
And you look around and you wonder, does anybody care? Am I lovable? Do I have anything to offer? And if you'll pay attention this morning to what the gospel says about you, the answer is, yes, you are lovable. And yes, you are loved. Now, how do we get there? How do we get there? We get there by understanding what this passage and the Bible teaches about love. What is love? What does it do? And how do we get there? How do we get it? How does it get real in our hearts? What is love? How do, what does it do? And how does it get into us? How do we get this love? So what is it? Here's how we're going to define love this morning. We're going to define love that love is choosing to do what is best for someone else. Love is choosing to do what is best for someone else. So look at Colossians 3, verse 12. So, as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved. God has made a choice of his people, and he set his affection on that people. God has chosen to love. Love is a choice. We don't fall into love. We walk into love. We step into love. We choose to love. Love is choosing Choosing to take action to do what is best for someone else. And God, God has chosen to love. And he has taken action on the basis of his choice. You know the first time the word love is found in the Bible? The first time the word love is found in the Bible refers to the love of a father for a son. The love of a father for a son. It's the love of Abram for his son Isaac. Take now your son, your only son, whom you love. That's the first time the word love is even in the Bible. Take now the son whom you love, Isaac. And go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. Now I encourage you this week, maybe even today, to read Genesis chapter 22 and the story of Abram and Isaac. And what God does... But what's important for the point of this message this morning is to know this, that the first time the word love is used, it's used to describe the love of a father for a son. And that's important. Because fathers generally choose to love. Generally, fathers have to be intentional to show love to their children. Mothers, on the other hand, do it naturally. They're just naturally more nurturing, more caring, more loving. They give more attention. But fathers, the love of a father, 
The reason why the, the lack of love of a father is so devastating and the presence of the love of a father is so empowering and makes such a difference is because fathers choose to love. Fathers have to be intentional because we're a mess. Every day should be Mother's Day. But fathers, see, when, a, when it says that the love of a father is so amazing, is because it's so unique and because it points forward. It points forward to what God chooses to reveal about himself, that our God is a loving father who at great expense to himself has made it possible for us to come into a forever relationship with him in his family. So John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. When you read Genesis 22 this afternoon, it'll tell you that God provided a substitute for Isaac. The son who was to be sacrificed, a ram was provided in place of Isaac so that Abram would not have to sacrifice his son. And God, are you loved by God? Oh, you are so loved by God. That he chose to give his only son as your substitute. And Jesus Christ, God took our sin and he put it on Jesus Christ. And he became our substitute and was punished in our place on the cross. And he died in our place so that the penalty for sin that we deserve, death, we wouldn't have to experience. We wouldn't have to experience the wrath of God. We wouldn't have to experience eternal separation from God. We instead can receive as a gift eternal life. Are you loved? Yes, you are so loved that God was willing to give his son. He chose to do what was best for you. He chose to give what was most precious to him his beloved son. And in your place, Jesus died as your substitute so that you could have eternal life. And our part is to turn from our sin and to trust in Christ as Savior and Lord. Have you? Have you admitted the bad news of your sin and, and believed the good news of Jesus Christ's forever love for you? And have you committed your way to him, asking him to come into your life as Savior and Lord? And asking you to give you a present experience of the love of the Father. If you will, he will. Won't you receive him? Come up after the service. I'd be glad to assist you. Or, or mark on your card that you'd like to have lunch this week and talk more about Jesus Christ. But oh, the, the love of a father for a son. 
that God, to expand his forever family, would give his only son, so that through that son he might bring many sons, many daughters, into his forever family and into eternal life. And when that sacrificial love of a father for you becomes real in the center of your life, then, then you'll know the answer to the question, am I loved? Yes, I'm so loved. And when that answer grips your heart, then you'll be able to begin to ask the question, how can I now show that kind of love to the lost people around me. So what is love? Love is choosing to do what is best for someone else. Love chooses, and God is chosen. God is chosen to show his love for us by saving us through his son. What does love do? Love does what is best. In 1 John 3.16, 1 John 3.16, not John 3.16, but 1 John 3.16, we read this. We know love by this, that he lay down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. So what is love? Love chooses, love chooses to do what is best. Jesus Christ did what was best. He gave himself. He gave all of himself for you and for me. And love, when that love grips our heart, then we are enabled to do what is best for others, to lay down our best, to lay down our lives for those around us. We know love by this that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Back in Colossians 3, verse 14, we see love described as um, beyond all these things. Love is described as beyond all these things. What does that mean? Beyond what things? Beyond all the other virtues that are described in Colossians 3. Patience, humility, compassion. Above and beyond all these things. Put on love. So that love becomes the best. Beyond the best. Love becomes the best thing that we can give because love says yes to whatever is needed for that person. Now, if you take yellow, if you take your yellow Crayola and you take your blue Crayola, what do you get? Green. If you take your red Crayola and your yellow Crayola, what do you get? Orange. If you take all the virtues of Jesus Christ, you get love. Love is the perfect summary of all the virtues of Jesus Christ. So here's what Jonathan Edwards, who was a pastor many, many years ago, said, Thus, love would dispose to all duties both toward God and toward men. And it will thus dispose to all duties, 
then it follows that it is the root and spring and, as it were, a comprehension of all virtues. It is a principle which is to, if it be implanted in the heart, is alone sufficient to produce all good practice. And every right disposition toward God and man is summed up in it and comes from it as fruit from a tree or stream from the fountain. Am I lovable? Yes. No. Yes! Am I lovable? Yes. You see, the Bible teaches that God made all people for His glory. We are all lovable because we're made in the image of God. Yes! But no. Because we're scarred by sin. We've turned away from the love of God and and we've chosen to dig out for ourselves broken cisterns. We build our life on things that can't help us, can't give us security, can't tell us who we really are. So yes, no, but yes, because God has chosen to leverage all of his virtues all of his character qualities. He's leveraged all of them to win us back, to bring us back into his forever family. He's leveraged all of his virtues in love. So are you sick and diseased? God will leverage his compassion to help you experience his love and welcome you back into his forever family. Have you been far from him for a long, long time? He has been leveraging his patience, extending his patience towards you in love so that he could win you back to his forever family. Are you, whatever condition you find yourself in that causes you to ask the question, am I lovable? God has a virtue, a characteristic of his love that he can leverage to meet you in that particular need so that you can experience his love. He leverages all of his virtues for the sake of drawing us back into his arms of love. He leverages them all. Are you lovable? Yes, but no, but yes. Am I loved? So loved. You get it? Is it real? How does it get into us? How do we get a hold of that? Grace. Grace. Listen, maybe you have a King James Bible. The King James Bible translation of Colossians 3.14 says this, Beyond all these things, put on charity, which is the perfect bond of unity. You see, the Old English word for love is the word charity. And the word charity comes into our language from the Greek word charis, which is the word for grace. How does the love of God get into our hearts? It gets into our hearts by grace. God has given us his best 
and beyond his best. What is beyond the best? Grace is beyond the best. There's nothing greater than grace. Because grace is not undeserved. Grace is ill-deserved. That God has chosen to love us when we had punched him in his face. Grace is the ill-deserved favor of God extended towards those who desperately need him. How does the love of God answer the need of the human heart that asks, am I loved through grace? How does the love of God answer the cry of the human heart, am I lovable? Grace. God's ill-deserved favor towards you and me. Let me show you in Galatians chapter 5 how grace produces love. In Galatians 5, Paul tells the story of grace to the church at Galatia who has forgotten grace. And in Galatians 5, verse 6, he says, In Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision meets anything but faith working through love. How do you get to love? Through faith. How do you get to faith? Grace. Because we all are prone to build our lives on one of two mindsets. We're either prone to build our life on the mindset of circumcision or the mindset of uncircumcision. You say, I have no idea what that means. Let me explain. The circumcision mindset says this. If I'm good, if I follow all the rules, if I obey God, if I love God, then he'll love me back. The circumcision mindset lives by the motto, God loves good boys and girls. And the problem with that is that God can't find any good boys and girls. But he loves us still. And the reason he loves us still, even though he doesn't find any good boys and girls, is because of grace. The circumcision mindset can only love people who contribute to the status or the security of the person who's loving. So I can love someone as long as they are like me. I can love someone as long as they help build my status before God or before others. That's the circumcision mindset. Working our heads off to try to please God. The, uncircumcis the uncircumcision mindset says this. Love is love. God loves everybody unconditionally, without any need of conversion, without any need of, of a love that, that could be so deep, so powerful, that it could move into the center of my life and change everything. Now, the uncircumcision mindset could love, but only can, can only love the beautiful. It doesn't have love for the sick, 
doesn't have love for the diseased. It doesn't have love for the unlovely. Oh, but grace. Grace. Grace has love. Grace has love for the unlovely. Grace has love for the diseased. Grace has love for the disabled. Grace has love for the... Grace has loved for everyone. Because grace converts and conforms the unlovely into the likeness of the beloved Jesus. So when grace moves into my life, it does change everything. And for many of us, it will take a long time. But for all of us who are in Christ, love will move through faith by grace to conform us, to make us more and more like Jesus, to give us the security we need, to know my God is love, but a security not based on my performance, but a security based on Christ's performance. And a security that moves from me to not people who are lovely, but people who are just like me, unlovely. That's what grace can do. Grace, through faith, works through love. Now, if you've heard this morning, if you've sensed in your heart this morning the love of God answering the question of your heart, am I loved? So loved. Am I lovable? Yes. No. Yes. Now what? Put on love. Now that you've heard the answer, to the question, am I loved? Now that you've heard the answer to the question, am I lovable? Now you're ready to ask the question, how can I show love? How can I put on love? It starts when every day we wake up and we say, Father, help me to experience your love for me today. So every day when you wake up this week, I want you to say to yourself what I say to you at the end of every service. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with me today. Ask the Father to show you his love. Ask the Father to give you a real present experience of his love. God, show me your love. You know what he'll say? Behold the grace of our Lord Jesus. And oh, the grace of the Lord Jesus. You know what he'll say? Oh, I give you my spirit that you might know you're never alone. So that you might know all the way in and all the way down that you really are loved. And even though you're not so lovely, you are lovable. Every day this week, ask the Father to give you an experience of the grace of the Son and ask the Son and the Father in their love to give you the Holy Spirit. And as you begin to experience the love of the Father, the grace of the Son, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, then begin to ask yourself the question, 
How can I show? How can I show this love to others? How can I show the love of God and the grace of Jesus and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit? How can I give myself to others? I can do it as I love Jesus. As I love Jesus, I'll want to worship him. I'll want to make a big deal of him, which means I'll gather with others every Sunday to worship him. I'll gather with others every Sunday to make a big deal about Jesus because he's beautiful, he's lovely, he's awesome. And I want to be in a, in a biblical community where we can open scripture and we can discover more and more how beautiful Jesus is. And I want to open the Bible for myself every day so that I can see Jesus on every page and I can say, Jesus, you are amazing. And as that's happening, in love for Jesus, I won't be able to help myself from just gossiping about Jesus everywhere I go. And I'll begin to greet people and befriend people and invite people to come and see Jesus with me in worship. I'll love Jesus and, and I'll begin to love one another I'll begin to love others in the body of Christ because I need Jesus. And the body of Christ needs me. It needs my gifts and abilities to show his love. The all 64 colors of the Crayola box are needed to gather together and mix together so that all the virtues could be leveraged to show each other the love of God. And then together, where we live and where we work and where we play, we could begin to, to want to love others, the lost, the last, the least, with the love that we've received from the Father. What do we know? Does he love me? Am I loved? Yes, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Am I lovable? God's leveraged all of his virtues in love to make you his beloved. How do we show it? Put on love. Let's pray. Father, help our hearts. Help our hearts to experience your love. Help us to know, trust, revel in, rely upon the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, fall afresh on your church that we might experience the fellowship, the closeness that you desire for us within the forever family of God. As chosen and beloved children of God, help us to cry out, Abba, Father. And for any here who have 
heard for the first time of the love of the Father and giving the Son and punishing Him in our place as our substitute, won't you receive His free offer of eternal life through faith in the Son? Won't you admit to Him, Jesus, I admit that I've sinned against you in many ways. Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin. Jesus, I believe you died in my place and rose from the dead. Come into my life as Savior. Come into my life as Lord. Help me become the person you want me to be. Father, send your Holy Spirit to fill our hearts so that we might sing in closing this service with joy unspeakable and full of glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand.